Good morning. How y'all doing? Man, so uh, I, was, uh, I was driving in today, um, and uh, my, my legs are still cold. <laughs> um, I've been in the car for an hour, I've been here for another hour, and my legs are still cold. Um, I, have, I have a t-shirt on, I have a flannel, I have a fleece, and it's warm in here. And I'm a big guy. I don't get cold. We we joke all the time that like you know like I'm I'm northern bred. So <laughs> like I I don't I don't get cold. <laughs> I am cold. When I when I see a temperature of negative eleven before wind chill, um, I actually had to like reset my 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 thing on my car a couple times. Like that can't be right. Um. So for those of you who braved it, wow. You guys rock. Uh, for those of you guys that are at home, I totally understand. <laughs> um, but uh, well, we're thankful that, you, uh, that we get to worship together anyway, even if it is um, through a screen. That's totally fine. Um, so hey, I have a riddle for you. I want to start off with a riddle today. Um, you actually uh, may have heard this riddle, especially if you're familiar with uh, the movie Labyrinth in the 80s. Uh, but it's the riddle of the two doors. All right? So follow me here. This is the riddle of the two doors. Basically, let me set the scene. You have two doors in front of you. One door leads to complete and utter destruction. Failure at everything. Death, destruction, decimation. One door is bad, okay? The other door is the opposite. Complete achievement of all your goals, riches beyond your wildest dreams, success beyond you can ever think. Um, Just... That door is good. So you have the good door and you have the bad door, but you don't know which is which. Each door has a guard in front of it, okay? The guards look identical, except for one guard always tells the truth. One, yeah! (laughs) One guard always lies, okay? So you have one guard that always tells the truth, one guard that always lies, and they're guarding two doors, One leads to destruction, one leads to life. You have to decide which door to walk through. But you only get one question. You can only ask one question, and you can only ask it of one of the guards. What do you do? Think about that for a second. What do you do? If you know the answer, don't say anything. If you're like me, this riddle breaks your brain a little bit. Um, I'm just, I guess I'm not as smart as I think I am, but this riddle always, always breaks my brain. But the answer to this riddle is you go up to one of the, the guards and you say, which door would the other guy tell me to go through? Because if you ask it that way, if you're talking to the guy who tells the truth, he's going to truthfully tell you that the other guy is going to tell you the wrong door. And if you go to the guy that lies and you ask him, what is the other guy going to tell me to? He's going to lie and tell you that that guy's going to tell you the wrong door. So you ask the question, which door will the other guy tell me to go through? And you go through the other one. Now, again, if you're like me, even after explaining the solution, you're not any closer to understanding it, right? (laughs) This breaks my brain. Because I have to like, wait, hold on, but I've, so I've, this guy is thinking about this thing, so I have to talk to him about this. I, I get lost. I get lost. This riddle always breaks my brain. But I already know the answer. 
Like, I already know the answer, but the riddle is still confusing. And even though it's confusing, even when I was prepping for this sermon, I still had to draw out the diagram, all the different possibilities, so that I could understand the riddle. And I know the answer. And it's still confusing. But as confusing as this riddle is, I wish life were as simple as this riddle of the two doors. Because as confusing as this riddle is, it only has two sets of variables. The doors and the guards. When you look at this riddle, the doors are absolute. One is completely good, one door is completely bad. It's absolute. One is a good choice, one is a bad choice. Very few choices in life are that clear cut. There are always some sort of spectrum between. You look at the guards. You look at the voices trying to influence you. One is always telling the truth. One is always lying. And if I look at my life, a lot of the voices in my life aren't that absolute. They're usually somewhere in the middle between truth and lie. Real life doesn't look like that. Instead of two choices, we have billions of choices, billions of doors at any moment that we have to choose to walk through. And those doors may lead to a better situation, may lead to a worse situation, or some connection of the two. We have billions of voices that are all trying to influence us into taking different journeys, different doors to get us through different walkways. Some of those voices are outwardly lying. Some of those voices have our best interests at heart. Some of those voices think they have our best interests at heart, but are actively leading us the wrong way. I often wish making decisions in this life was as simple as this incredibly confusing riddle. But it's not. Navigating truth is quite possibly one of the most difficult situations we can be in as human beings. So, pause that for a second. We've been in this series that we're calling Jesus Said, and we're going to close out the series today, but we've been looking through uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the words that came out of Jesus' mouth himself. These are the things that Jesus wanted to share with his people in his own words. And you can read this entire sermon in the book of Matthew in chapters 5, 6, and 7, okay? Okay? Now, over these past several weeks, we have talked about, through this sermon series, the nature of grace um, and how alarming grace can actually be, what it really looks like to live based on mercy and forgiveness and how much of a stretch that can be for us in some ways. We've looked at what it truly means to authentically worship our God instead of just going through the motions. Last week, we looked at what it means to pray and how to pray and how do we have a conversation with our creator. We've looked at how Jesus wants us to be radically generous in the way we live in this grace in his creation. This week, we're gonna close out this series by looking at the last few paragraphs of Jesus' sermon. You can find what we're gonna go through today. And he spends this time talking about the importance of recognizing and discerning and judging truth. How to navigate truth. 
Jesus ends his sermon. So this is a three-chapter sermon. Jesus ends his sermon with this whole section on how to navigate truth. So it was obviously pretty important to him. Okay? He, he goes into this lengthy explanation of how to judge between the good voices, the good influences, and the bad. So we're going to jump right into the text here. Matthew 7, we're actually going to start in verse 15. It's not going to be on the screen this week, um, but it's in the Bibles there in front of you, or you can flip open your, your Bible app on your phone, it's fine, but I will also read it to you as well. So, Matthew 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So a couple of notes here when we read this section of scripture. One, Jesus has said that there will be false prophets. What does that mean? That means that Jesus has acknowledged in his final closing statements of this sermon that there are going to be people who are going to claim to speak for God but are only leading people in the wrong direction. So let's check that box. Acknowledge that Jesus is telling us that there are going to be false prophets. Two, Jesus also says that they won't be easy to recognize. (laughs) At least not at first. We like to think that like, oh yeah, I'll know, I'll know. But Jesus says, first of all, if he didn't think it was a concern, he wouldn't have warned us. But he even goes beyond that. He says that they come to you in sheep's clothing, so they look like allies, friends, Okay, sincere voices. They may may even believe that they're our ally. They may even believe that what they're saying is true, but their words are sending us in the wrong direction. So number one was there will be false prophets. Number two is they're not going to be easy to recognize at first. And number three is the only way that we can tell these voices apart the main way that we can discern between the good influences and the bad influences is by the fruit in their life and in their teaching. Or in other words, by judging the effects, the results of their actions. Seeing the effects of God's work in their life and whether or not those results glorify God. But that sets up another problem. If you have your Bibles open, you may have noticed that in just a few verses before this, in Matthew 7, it's this whole explanation about how we're not supposed to judge people. Matthew 7, 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. 
he makes this big explanation that as the people of God, we are not supposed to cast judgment on other people. This is where you'll also see the breakdown of don't pick at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in yours. It's this entire explanation. He starts this conversation with this whole axiom, this whole truth of do not judge others. Don't be hypocritical. It's not your place to judge. And then goes on to like three and a half paragraphs of how to judge others. So what gives? Because see, this is a powerful section right here about avoiding hypocrisy, leaving judgment to God. To God. What gives? Am I supposed to judge or am I not supposed to judge? Well, to talk about this, we need to talk about the difference of these two concepts that we see in Scripture, and it doesn't always translate well. What we're talking about is the difference between judgment and discernment. And these two uh, uh, issues are very important to Jesus because we are not supposed to judge. That's not the role of a Christian is to judge others. We are, however, supposed to be actively and always discerning in the choices that we make. So what are the difference? What are the differences? Judgment, judgment involves consequences. Judgment uh, is left for God. It, it, it involves consequences. When you're casting judgment, you're saying that this requires this action. When you pass judgment, you are giving either condemnation or you're giving reward. You're saying that this has value because of what they're doing. You are making an authoritative decision. Likewise, discernment is not about the other. Discernment is about your own actions. Discernment is the wisdom to navigate the situation. Discernment is more about the present. Judgment is about the past. Am I making sense? We are called to discern. We are called to discern between the competing voices that are asking us to follow them. Judgment is left to God, but we need to be able to discern which voices to follow. And how do we discern which influences are best? By their fruit. By their fruit. A healthy tree grows good fruit. In other words, a, a healthy tree, a tree that is doing what it should, produces the fruit that it's supposed to produce. The fruit is a result of the health of the tree. The fruit is a result of the health of the tree. If the tree is producing bad fruit, you don't go to high V, buy a bunch of apples, and duct tape them to the tree branches and call it good. That doesn't solve the problem. If you have bad fruit, you have to look at the tree. And you have to make a judgment that this tree may not be healthy, and we need to fix the health situation of the tree in order to get the good fruit. Likewise, those that are following the word of God, those that are living by the standards in which God has laid down and have put scripture in their hearts, you will see the fruit, the effect, the result of God's word on their life. Okay? Scripture goes into great detail about what that fruit looks like. Actually, you can see that in Galatians 20, which is the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 
520. <laughs> and, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all the results of Jesus' work on your life. This is the result of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. We call it the fruit, the results, the effects of having the Spirit of God work on your life. So we can tell if these voices are good influences in our life or not based on the fruit. So how important is this? How important is this? Well, Jesus seems to think that it's incredibly important. It's incredibly important for his followers. He spends his whole time at the end of this sermon, the entire end of his sermon, almost a third of his sermon, spending time equipping his people, equipping his followers with his own voice on how to discern the difference between the good influences and the bad influences. He's telling us, look, there are going to be people that are going to lead you astray. There are going to be voices that are going to pull you in all these directions, and you need to be prepared. So he's spending the entire end of his sermon talking about how to discern the difference between voices and influences that are going to lead you towards God and voices and influences that are going to lead you away. And the way Jesus talks about this seems to assume that it's going to be really easy if we're not prepared to follow the wrong voices. He explains further in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles and then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Guys, that's scary. Because <laughs> what Jesus is telling us right here is that it's easy to be led down the wrong direction. Judgment is always left to God. But that doesn't mean that we should feel free to hitch our trailer and do whoever cries out, Lord, Lord, whoever seems to speak for God. Because it is vitally important that when we hitch our trailer to someone, to something, when we choose to follow, that we are following the correct thing. Because we can be led astray very easily. But this is the difference between judgment and discernment because we are not supposed to judge our brothers and sisters in terms of condemning them or tell them that they're not real Christians or, or decide that, that for some reason they're going to hell while I'm being saved. It's left to God. Okay? So when it comes to discerning the difference, when it comes to discerning between brothers and sisters, you know, do we, do we walk with our brothers and sisters in faith? Absolutely. Do we call them brother and sister? Yes. Even if we disagree, we call them brothers and sisters. We have grace. We have mercy. We are one body, regardless of different opinions and different uh, 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 processes of going through problem solving. Yes, we are one body. Do we love them? Absolutely. We even walk hand in hand with them, brother and sister. But do we follow those voices? No. 
but to follow somebody and maybe even allow them to influence your understanding of God, we have to be very, very careful of that. That is important. That is vital. Now, I understand how weird it is for a guy up here to be standing on stage to be telling you not to listen to other guys telling you about God. And so that, for that reason, I need to say, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. If you put your trust in me, or in any human being for that matter, I'm going to mess up. I would like to think that I won't. But there's going to be a point when I'm going to make a wrong decision somewhere. You're not going to like it. You may even disagree with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip up somewhere at some point. I'm going to say something I shouldn't. I'm a flawed human being. I'm a messed up dude. Without Jesus, I'm a messed up. Heck, with Jesus, I'm a messed up dude. I need Jesus because I am a messed up dude. So don't put your trust in me. As awesome as I like to think I am, I'm not worth following. If you put your trust in me, your path is going to be flawed because I'm flawed. Put your trust in Jesus. Follow Jesus. I would like to think that I help point you to Jesus. It's my mission in life to point others to Jesus, to show them that God loves you no matter what, that no matter what failings you have in your life, that there is a God who absolutely adores you. Absolutely. That's my mission in life so that you understand that. But my mission in life has nothing to do with you following me. My mission in life is for you to follow him. This is why it is so important that as followers of Jesus, that we read and understand Scripture. We need to be in the Word. We need to be with people. We need to have people in our lives that are, are, are able to speak truth into us, that, that love Jesus. We need to be able to open a Bible and, and read, even if, it's, even if it's hard to understand, just to spend some time in the Word of God. We need the truth and reality of God from his lips to take root in our heart so that we can discern between the voices in our lives. And if I ever say anything from this pulpit that you disagree with, I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me. I know that's a dangerous thing to invite disagreement in the church, but, but no, in all honesty, I want you to tell me Because even if you disagree with me, you're engaging in the word of God. Go to scripture. Check what I'm saying with what God is saying. And if if you land in a different place, come tell me. I want to hear it. If I'm wrong, I want to know. We need to be able to discern between these competing voices because we have so many in our world right now. So many competing voices trying to pull us in every direction. Some of them are politically motivated. Some of them are financially motivated. Some of them are culturally motivated. 
we need to be able to discern between these voices and be able to let in what needs to be let in and to hold at bay those that need to be held at bay. That doesn't mean that we don't claim them as brothers and sisters. We are one body who follow an amazing God, able to love a diverse group of people from a diverse group of backgrounds and opinions. But it doesn't mean that we hitch our trailer to these voices that lead us in the wrong direction. So these last weeks, we have been going through this series looking at what Jesus wants us to know in his own words, in his own words. That has been the whole process of this sermon series. Jesus said, okay, trying to get at the meaning of what Jesus said in his own words. And in this sermon that he preaches with his own lips, the things that are the most important things that he wants his followers to know are often the hardest things to digest. Am I right? The nature of grace, how we're supposed to forgive others and to give people the benefit of the doubt, the importance of mercy, the importance of forgiveness, of being able to walk hand in hand, brother and sister, regardless of past faults. We've talked about what it means to authentically worship God. It's super important to Jesus that you don't come to to the Father with plastic face masks on and pretend to follow him. He doesn't want you to act generous. He doesn't want you to act pious. He wants you to be generous. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be the person he made you to be, to be authentically in love with the creator. We've talked about how to pray and have an authentic conversation with God because again, Jesus is incredibly interested in making sure that we understand how to talk to him because it's in those conversations that we build our relationship. We've talked about this idea of radical generosity kind of throughout this entire series about how God doesn't just want you to, again, act generous. He wants you to be generous as kind of like a DNA aspect of who we are. We're just a people that we just love people and we seek to change everybody we're around with love and grace and joy. That means pouring out into the world. But he knew that there would be voices out there who are going to attempt to pull us in different directions. And so he closes this sermon to make sure that we are equipped to have discernment about what voices to allow to influence you. Matthew 7 again, verse 28. He says this, Oh, sorry, no, I'm going to back up a little bit. Uh, Verse 24. Verse 24, he, he puts this kind of into practice in a parable that, I, that he decides to close his sermon with. Um, and I love this image. It goes, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, so not just hears them, but does them, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall 
because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain comes down, the streams rise, and the winds blow and beat against the house, and it falls with a great crash. We have to be careful about where we build our home and make sure that the words we're listening to are the words of Jesus and not being corrupted from other sources. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. In other words, the ones that they were used to hearing teach were ones who would contextualize the law for them. They were the ones who would interpret scripture. Here was one speaking as if he knew, as if he wrote, as if he created the truth behind scripture, because he did. Even those that were listening to his voice at the time recognized the authority present in Jesus. That's what we need to recognize. So when we, when we look at this section of scripture, this Sermon on the Mount, these are the words of Jesus. Maybe I got some of this wrong. I'll put that out there. I'm a teacher of the law. Okay? I don't have the same authority that Jesus has, okay? It's on you to take what I've said, to take what Jed has said, to take what's been taught over these last six weeks and dive into it, to look at the scripture, to discern the will of God. Because if we're even a little bit on track with what Jesus was teaching here, this stuff is incredibly important and is the stuff that Jesus himself has lined up as the things he wants his people to understand above all. Let's pray. Dear Father, God, you are so big, so wise, so strong, Yet this world, we hear so many competing voices that seem to pull us in different directions. And sometimes, whether it's in our, our own blindness or our own ignorance, we have a hard time seeing you. So God, I pray that your voice cuts through the fog. I pray that this church, that Whiting Christian Church, just sees you in a huge tangible way that the words of scripture are etched into our hearts and that we can move forward understanding who you are with wise discernment to be able to pick between the competing voices and be able to lean on the true authority of Jesus not because I said it not because Jed said it but because Jesus because you said it God break through the clouds of confusion in our world. Give us a glimpse of who you are. 
We know that at its core, you love us deeply, that you've claimed us as your children, that you've called us out of failure, you've called us out of messes, you've called us out of sin, you've called us out of brokenness, and you've made us whole, and you've given us this mission to walk into the world, to to go into this world, and to bring about a new kingdom. And you've laid down this roadmap for us on how to do that. God, I pray that, that that direction that you left in Scripture cuts through the clouds, cuts through the confusion, and hits us like a Mack truck. <laughs> and we can be a people defined by your mission, by what you think is important. God, you are so good. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.